without ceasing. You may be seated, sorry. Threw you off there with a new announcement. Pray without ceasing is what God tells us through St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me ask you a non-rhetorical question, a real question. Um, what's something that you do without ceasing? Feel free, I mean, please. Breathe. 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 Okay. Right. Actually, I'm surprised you landed on it. I was thinking about it, and I kept thinking of things. I'm like, well, no, sometimes that stops. It actually took me a while to land on that answer. And I think, I think it's the only thing we do with some level of uh, our own wills, like voluntarily at some level. It's the only thing we do without ceasing as human beings. Everything else is either entirely involuntary or, or sometimes ceases. But breathing, we do all the time. And so when we think about what it might mean to pray without ceasing, I think it's useful to kind of think about breathing as just a category for something that we do without ceasing. As we begin to look this morning at praying uh, without ceasing. So think about breath for a moment. You know, we can do it consciously, right? You can control your breathing. But you don't have to control your breathing. It also just happens. It never stops waking or sleeping, eating or drinking, talking or being silent, thinking or zoning out, we are always breathing. Breath accompanies us for every second of our mortal lives. When it stops, we stop, right? We can't live without it. Well, actually, to be more precise, um, we can't live without the thing that breathing brings us into contact with, right? We need oxygen to survive, and only by breathing can we take the oxygen out here into our bodies for life and sustenance. Are you seeing the connection that I'm not talking about just breathing, right? What a remarkable analogy God has given us. A physical picture of what the life of prayer can and should look like. Because without prayer, there's no connecting to the living God. And without God, we die. Our inner spiritual life is sustained by prayer. So for if I could paint something a tiny bit absurd, what would you think of a person who said, you know, I make sure to do my human duty by taking at least one breath every day? <laughs> it'd be funny, it'd be silly. And yet, are we inclined to think about prayer a little bit that way? Like, oh yeah, I have my set time, I did, I've done my duty, perhaps sadly even perfunctorily. But in reality, prayer is actually more important even than air because our bodies need air to survive, but this body is going to be worm food in just a few years. Our souls, on the other hand, in Christ Jesus, are going to live forever. So sustaining our soul actually, although we can't see it, is a more important work even than breathing. And that's why we are charged by the scriptures to pray without ceasing. Because the more we pray, the more we live spiritually the more communion we have with God, who is the source of our life. Now, um, to be sure, to pray without ceasing is a really high command, right? On the one hand, prayer is really easy in a moment. Like when you have some need, it's the easiest thing in the world to communicate to God. But when we take prayer as a whole, in as much as it is communication, it's a hard task. Um, how many of you here who either are married or have been married how many would you would say marriage communication is easy? Right. Again, not a rhetorical question. I don't see any hands. Um, I'm 
blessed by God with a great marriage that's on the sort of on the spectrum of the more easy sort by compatibility and whatnot, and yet communication is not easy. Right? As we all know, it's a long, energy-expending, tricky task with a lot of missteps. Uh, it's not impossible, but it's certainly not easy. So in a deep, permanent relationship, like marriage, good communication takes work. And with work, it normally gets better, right? Communication, hopefully, becomes more loving, more honest, more useful as communication, more productive and more other-oriented. It gets better over time if you put in the effort to try and communicate well. Again, I'm not just talking about marriage now, right? This is true also in our relationship with God, in our prayer life with God. A lifetime's work uh, is the work of prayer to learn to pray in ways that are more loving, more honest, more, use, more, <clears throat> more productive, more useful, and, and without ceasing. So I'm saying all this to say that um, unceasing prayer is the goal which we are working towards. It's not the start line. This isn't one of those commands where we hear it, we put it into action, mission accomplished. This is one of those lifetime goals that we're working towards little by little with the practice of prayer. Um, we need to strive for it is what I'm saying and as with all striving in the Christian life it needs to be with God's help we need to like not just attempt this sort of for our own sort of sense of I don't know whatever um, but actually asking God for help in this journey of prayer and we need help uh, and we need to strive because prayer never happens by accident um, in the, in, in, on the contrary um, prayer isn't natural at all, it, it, right? Because it's it's supernatural. The the animals don't pray. Trees don't pray. They are God's creatures. They are good, but they're they're not drawn to prayer because they don't have the Holy Spirit of God living within them. That's what Paul teaches us in Romans eight. It's the Spirit in us that prays. Again, that doesn't happen automatically just by being a Christian. It's a process that we have to grow in it, and not a passive one. It doesn't just happen. We need to actively engage in this process of uh, inviting the Spirit, of, of learning to pray more lovingly, more honestly to the Father. So besides, um, you know, the first task is, is removing obstacles to prayer, um, which is all the things that the world, the flesh and the devil, that unholy trinity, right? Um, all the things that they would throw at us to distract us from paying attention to spiritual things. We need to clear those out of the way. In addition, it's interesting, Peter writes in his letter, another thing that hinders prayer uh, is being harsh to your wife. That's interesting. The Bible is very, has this very concrete sort of thing. Like, oh. So that's another thing also to be careful about for prayer. But as well as clearing away the things that would hinder prayer, how, how might we begin to make that next step in practicing prayer that is as constant as breathing? I say next step because the first steps on this road, you all are already doing. And the first step is being a part of the regular prayer life of the church by coming to pray in the liturgy. That, it's praying in the liturgy corporately that teaches us the language and the spirit with which we are to approach God. And so if you will, you all already have the foundation of this house of prayer. And then incorporating prayer into your private lives, as again, I know so many of you have already shared with me, that it's part of your life, whether it's... Um, scripture reading here or praying the Our Father at this time of day or the daily offices or your own private way that you pray incorporating prayers into daily life set time for prayer 
Um, that's like the studs and the floor beams, kind of the, the framework that begins to build a life of unceasing prayer. But having got sort of the main frame in, um, how do we really sort of come to live more into a life of unceasing prayer? Um, at some point, so if we talk about this prayer thing as a long journey, I'm not at the end yet, so I don't know like the full picture. I'm trying to somewhere in kind of still in the uh, in the early stages, but I know one thing um, that uh, that sort of is that takes that next step into working towards unceasing prayer is the act of continually, often, trying to recall your attention to God's presence with us. Uh, let me say that again. Trying to co- continually um, recall one's attention to God's presence with us. I think that is the discipline which starts to sort of open up a life of unceasing prayer. When we get that, um, so much more will follow. If we live into his presence, it will be easier to praise him. If we live into his presence, it's easier to intercede for others in love and to repent of our own sins. I think everything about unceasing prayer, the fullness of a prayer life, comes out of first, to use Brother Lawrence's famous phrase, right? Practicing, practicing the presence of God. Um, there probably are lots of different things that could be said about, or how do you practice, what might be some exercises in that practice of the presence of God. Um, I want to offer just one simple one this morning. Um, and it's the simple prayer, which we actually practice praying this morning here at church, called the Jesus Prayer. And I know I wrote about it, um, if you received the church newsletter things. But um, this is something the Lord's used in my life as such a rich means of sort of practically trying to practice the presence of God that I feel compelled to share it because God's blessed me so much through it. And I, Some of you, it may already be part of your prayer life, but if it's not, some, I want to offer it to you as something, a tool with which to practice. It's the very simple prayer Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a very simple, short prayer that can be grabbed and prayed any second, and maybe indeed every second, uh, as we mature in the Christian faith. In set chunks of time, maybe set apart, but then in the midst of daily life. So while driving in a car, while walking, while talking with someone and asking God what to say, while uh, listening or, or even relaxing in anything, it's a prayer that can be grabbed uh, to uh, call your own attention to the presence of God who is with us. The Lord Jesus, who's always in our hearts by his spirit, watching over us from heaven. Um. I pray it when I'm distracted during the liturgy or during a sermon. <laughs> I pray it when I'm tempted. You can pray at any time. Um, it's a great tool for exercising, for working towards a life of unceasing prayer. And it doesn't have to be that exact prayer. Um, there are a handful of prayers which the saints testified are sort of using, but one thing they all have in common is directly addressing the Lord Jesus in the second person. Right? The great temptation, I think, in our intellectual age is to talk about Jesus always in the third person, like, Oh yeah, you know, Jesus over here says some things. Um, The difference between that and a life of real prayer is the second person, you, right? You, Lord Jesus Christ, who I'm, even in the unseen realm, looking at face to face, standing before you right now. Jesus, a lot of, you know, it could be more simply, Jesus have mercy. Martin Luther, throughout his whole life, tried to constantly pray, I am yours, speaking to Jesus, save me. I am yours, save me. Like, with his, under his breath almost, in the midst of anything, he was trying to pray that prayer. 
Um, some people even just address Jesus by name, just to recall his presence, just to say out loud or under your breath or in your heart, Jesus. And not to take his name in vain. It's not a um, sort of a conjuring word. It's just addressing the Jesus who is always looking at us, but whom we are not looking at. So say, oh yeah, the way you would, when you see, if you bump into each other, you know, at, at Tiger Town, you say, oh hey, hey, Gerald, good to see you. You say the name as a way of recognizing we've come before each other. Um, to say Jesus' name in that way. Jesus. In the act of such um, prayers of address, second person prayers, um, we stand our soul up in the presence of God, as it were. And we recall the reality that we are living our lives before him and that he is with us. He's not a faraway God. He's a God who is immediately here. And when, inevitably, within about a half a second, the distractions of the world come back in, you can pray it again. Jesus, have mercy on me. And over time, the practice of praying these sort of short prayers of address, like the Jesus prayer, um, it builds up sort of a habit of the heart that starts to create a different world to live in, that I'm no longer just moving through sort of material time and space, but moving through God's world in his presence. And that act of recollection invites more prayer. When I remember that I'm living in the presence of God and we're having a conversation, it's easier to then say, oh, Lord, uh, please bless this thing that this person is sharing. Or, or please give me a, something encouraging to say. Prayer can kind of start to intertwine in the midst of any task. And really that's the secret to a life of unceasing prayer is we are, almost all of you, are not called to be contemplative, secluded from the world in some cell somewhere. We're called to lives engaging with families and friends and work colleagues and communities. The trick to unceasing prayer is learning to pray in the midst of that work. Not a sort of total distraction, like I'm not even paying attention, but while paying attention, to invite God into that attention. Lord, have mercy on me as, you know, in my daily task, as I write this sermon, as I clean this thing, or whatever. With these practices, prayer um, can become as easy as breathing. There's even testimonies of uh, holy men and women alive today who, praying this prayer so much, would testify even in their sleep, at some level they have an awareness, even in their dreamscape, that they are in God's presence. I mean, how cool would that be? <laughs> as I was saying, you know, the, the practice of the presence of God with these short prayers allows all the other prayers that we would like to pray, intercession and interceding more for others, uh, praising God more. And even beyond that, um, here's where I sort of am, am passing on things I've heard from people further down the journey. I myself have not experienced yet, but I'm, I'm striving towards them. In this practice, further down the road comes um, even a pure contemplation of God and his goodness and, and all the sort of riches of knowledge and wisdom that Paul speaks about being given to the soul. I mean, I think there's sort of an infinite bounty of delights. Um, the great saints talk about what stems from a constant life of prayer is a sense of heaven on earth, that every second of being alive is a joy. And I'm not there yet. That's, okay, that's not a true statement from my life. But I hear that testimony from men and women who practice practices like this, and it inspires me to keep striving. You know, I think I read something once which really stopped me in my tracks, which was, because it described my own attitude, which was, you know, we sit down with God and we're like, okay, God, I'm going I'm to pray for the first time, you know, first time maybe in a while. And I sit down in silence for five minutes. And if I haven't had some sort of like 
Mount Sinai vision in five minutes. I'm like disappointed. I mean, I take that as a laugh of recognition, right? I mean, we, we're, like, we're sort of fussy with God. Like, well, in the midst of all my thousand dissipations and distractions, God, why aren't you here to meet me now that I've sat down with you? Right? I mean, we, we're so bossy and, and petulant. Um, it's a work. You know, often I sit down to pray and I experience nothing. I feel nothing. But I know that I'm working towards sort of carving into the the life of God and waiting, as we began our worship with, waiting for the Lord. I can't conjure a spiritual experience. I have to sit and wait for it. And, you know, we wait patiently for all kinds of material things. Why don't we do the same thing for the spiritual blessings of Jesus? The way to the joy of the Holy of Holies is the begins with the practice of just stepping into his courts, into his presence, as often as you can throughout the day. Um, this, I think, you know, um, the vision that um, I believe God's given me for our corporate life together as a parish is, is cultivating life-giving patterns of prayer. And I, as I mean, think about this, I think the reason why that's so important is because everything else from the Christian life springs more readily when that's in place. But, you know, we can try so hard to sort of hit on individual aspects of Christian practice, like what we're, how, what we're doing or saying or not doing or not saying uh, or thinking or even how we're doing those things. And we can try and kind of hit each one individually. But if we're living a life in the presence of God, it becomes much easier, much more spirit-filled spirit uh, to say this thing or do this thing or, or not do this thing or not say this thing. And we go about our lives in general differently. No longer, I think, as hurried, anxious human beings working for our own glory, kind of the natural human condition, but as calm, humble sons and daughters of God working for his glory. The people, if you meet someone who's really not stressed out, often there's a big life of prayer underneath that. Working for his glory. Um, And this life will be unleashed by greater and greater degrees um, if we would all strive a little bit more earnestly towards this command we have from God through the lips of St. Paul to pray without ceasing. Amen.